Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School lesson for November 12th, 2023, also known as the 24th Sunday after Pentecost, which means we're running out of Sundays of Pentecost and Advent should be starting soon. A few weeks to go yet, though, and so in the meantime, today we're looking at the story of Isaac and Rebekah in Genesis chapter 24. And if you're using this in conjunction with the 120 Bible Stories storybook from Concordia Publishing House, this story is found on page 28 of that book. Now, Genesis 24 represents a big transition in the book of Genesis. For the past several chapters, we've had the story centered around Abraham, his journey to the promised land, his, uh, his desire for, for children and, and Sarah's barrenness, um, his, his journey to Egypt and back, God's promises to him that he will have children as many as the, the sands of the seashore and the stars of the sky, as well as God's promise that the land of Canaan will belong to his descendants. And the story of Abraham, after many chapters, really culminates in Genesis chapter 22 with the near sacrifice of Isaac. So Isaac is nearly sacrificed in Genesis 22, but God provides a lamb, a big lamb, a ram in the thicket caught by his horns. And then in Genesis chapter 23, we have an account of the death of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And now we arrive at Genesis 24, where the story begins to turn away from Abraham to his son, Isaac. So note really the, the, the climactic moment of Abraham's story is when Isaac is spared. So as soon as we have this near sacrifice of Isaac, where he's spared, or as Hebrew says, Abraham, for all, all intents and purposes, gets his son back from the dead, then the story shifts from the father to the son. Now, in Genesis chapter 22, we were speculating that Isaac is probably about 20 years old, and we kind of built the proof of that last time around. So Isaac certainly is of an age to, to marry and have a family of his own. And so in Genesis 24, Abraham sends out his servant to find a wife for Isaac. So Genesis 24, verse 1 and following, the chapter begins like this. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, 
Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. All right, so as this chapter opens, you can kind of hear how, how the book of Genesis is shifting the gaze. Um, Abraham is old, well advanced in years. After all, he was 99 when Isaac was born, about 120 when Isaac was nearly sacrificed. And so things are winding down for Abraham. And he sends his servant back to the homeland to find a wife for Isaac. And he has the servant swear an oath to do so. And uh, just a quick note here, it's a little bit odd sounding to us that, uh, that this, when the servant makes the oath, Abraham has a servant put his hand under Abraham's thigh. And that kind of makes us twitch in 21st century America because, you know, the thigh is the leg and the leg is close to genitalia and it sounds kind of weird and off limits, but it's actually kind of the point way back then in Canaan. The thighs and, and, and you know, the, the core, that's, that's the location of the strongest muscles of the body, so a symbol of strength. And the genitalia, of course, are, are what bring life into the world through procreation. And so essentially, the oath is given with the idea that as God is my strength, and as God has given me life and is my life, so I swear by him to do what Abraham commands. All right. So Abraham commands a servant to go back to, to the homeland, to the city of Haran, and find Abraham's extended family, and within that family, find a woman to be Isaac's bride. And the servant says, more or less, suppose I find the perfect woman, except she doesn't want to come to Canaan. And um, this is a, a actually a, a pretty remarkable moment because Abraham certainly wants his son to be happy. He wants his son to have a wife and he wants his son to have children. And, uh, and, and so what if the choice is Isaac leaves the land of Canaan and the Canaanites and, and all the kind of chaos that happens there to go back for a, a great wife and family. But in this exchange with, with his servant, Abraham demonstrates he's still living by faith in God's promises. God has promised to Abraham that this land of Canaan is to belong to his descendants and therefore, Abraham says, if it's a choice between the land, which God has commanded for Isaac, and a wife who won't leave Haran for Canaan, then Isaac is to stay with the land and not go to the woman. 
Now, this is in part because Abraham knows that God has promised the land of Canaan to his descendants. Also, Abraham's a promise that through Isaac, his whole family will, will, uh, will be born as many as the stars of the, of, of the sky. And so, even if the woman in Haran won't come to Canaan, Abraham still trusts that God will provide the right woman for Isaac so that the family line will continue. So, the servant takes the oath and it's time to set off for Haran to find a wife for Isaac. Verse 10 and following, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I, and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. All right, so the servant takes... Ten camels loaded with gifts for the future bride, whoever she might be. He travels to Mesopotamia, which is um, really kind of where Iraq is today. So that's a long journey for him to make. And he arrives at the city of Nahor. Now, city of Nahor means the city where Nahor lives. And Nahor lives in Haran. So um, it's not that the city is called Nahor. It's, it's, it's um, just happens to be where Abraham's relative Nahor and his family live. And so the servant prays this prayer to God that, that the young woman who comes out and gives him water and waters his camels should prove to be the one who is Isaac's wife, Isaac's future wife. Now, um, this might sound as, at first as, as the servant striking a deal with God. If you send a woman out of the city who gives me water and waters the camels, then I will know that you are faithful. But I would encourage you not to hear it that way. The servant knows that God is faithful. The servant has God's promise to Abraham with him, and the servant trusts what Abraham has told him about God. And it's really a remarkable thing if a woman comes out of the city and doesn't just give him water, but also offers to water his camels, because they're camels. Those humps on camels are gigantic water tanks. So, to give water to a traveling stranger voluntarily, that's, that's next to nothing. But to offer to water his camels as well, that's a sign of great kindness. That's a sign of, of, of great hospitality. And so that 
uh, a, a, a woman who came out and, and, and watered the camels of a stranger, that would be a woman of great virtue and great kindness. And that's the kind of woman that Isaac deserves back home. So the servant says, Abraham, your servant, has sent me to find a wife, um, a sign of a great wife for Isaac would be one who would come out and give me water and voluntarily offer to water my camels. So let that happen. And then I will be confirmed all the more in your promises of steadfast love for your people. Now we read in verse 15 and following, before he had finished speaking... Behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. All right, so the, the servant is still praying when a woman appears with her water jar coming to the well. And the servant doesn't know it yet, but this is Rebecca, the granddaughter of Abraham's brother Nahor. So she is Abraham's great niece, which makes her, what about Isaac's second cousin or first cousin once removed anyway? She's family. He doesn't know that part yet. He does see she's very attractive. The text describes her as a virgin whom no man has known, which means initially she's fitting the description of a great wife for Isaac. She goes down to the spring. She fills up her jar, and the servant asks her for water, and she gives him water, which is kind of standard hospitality. And when he's done with the drink, she just volunteers, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Remember, one camel can drink a lot, this guy has 10 thirsty camels. So she empties her jar into the trough, goes and gets more water, refills the trough probably again and again and again. And while she's watering the camels, the man gazes at her in silence to learn whether the Lord has prospered his journey or not. I mean, so far, Rebecca is checking off all the boxes in his prayer. She's shown kindness to him. She's shown kindness above and beyond by taking care of his camels as well. But he doesn't know yet who she is. And Abraham has sent 
him to find a wife for Isaac from his family. And the servant doesn't know yet if, if this woman is part of Abraham's family or not. So, in verse 22, we read, When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two braces for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is the room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. So the, uh, the, the servant asks Rebecca who she is. She says she's, uh, uh, she identifies herself as the granddaughter of Nahor, so the great niece of Abraham. And uh, to his question about lodging, she, has plenty of, she says they have plenty of straw and fodder and room to spend the night. So once again, hospitality for the man and for his camels. And so the man declares this prayer out loud as far as we know. Rebecca can hear what he says. As he blesses the Lord who has led him to the house of his master's kinsman and... He's, the Lord has done so out of faithfulness to Abraham, his master, who's back in Canaan. So, the woman, having received these gifts of gold, having taken care of the servant and his camels, having offered hospitality, and having heard this blessing, she runs to bring the... Uh, the news of this stranger and what has happened to, uh, to her mother's household. Verse 29, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his master's arms and heard the words of Rebecca, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, speak on. So it sounds at least like a humorous moment here um, as, as Rebecca hears the servant speak this blessing. Um, she's so excited at the news that she, she runs back to the house to give the news and kind of leaves the servant standing there with his camels. As she tells the household, her brother Laban um, runs back towards the man. 
because as she hear as sorry as he hears Rebecca recount the story, he hears the name Abraham, and he knows that this servant is from that would be his uncle Abraham back in Canaan. So he he rushes out, finds a servant of the camels, invites them into the house, provides food for the camels, water for the servant's feet and the feet of the men with him, and then sets before him, sets before them really, food to eat, another sign of hospitality. And and the meal should take place first, followed by conversation. But the servant says, before I eat, I've got to tell you why I'm here. It's kind of a breach of protocol. But you know, it's been kind of a crazy day. So the the host, Laban, says, speak on. And the servant tells a story in verse 34 and following. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son, for my clan and for my father's house. Then you'll be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave me the camel's drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milka bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. So you kind of get the rerun of, of, of how the servant ended up there, but he's also making his pitch, right? So he, he declares that, that Abraham has been blessed by God with gold and silver and servants and cattle. He's a wealthy man. And he has a son named Isaac to whom he's giving everything. And 
Abraham has sent the servant to find a wife for Isaac. So he describes his prayer. He describes how Rebekah answers his prayer or how the Lord answers his prayer by providing Rebekah. So, so now he says, Rebekah seems a great wife for Isaac. Do you consent? And in verse 50, Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. So Laban and Bethuel, hearing the, uh, the, the story and how the Lord has confirmed his promises and his faithfulness, uh, they consent to the request that Rebekah be Isaac's wife. Verse 52, when Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. All right, so three big things in this portion of Genesis 24. First off, um, the servant has a lot of gifts to demonstrate that he's telling the truth about Abraham's wealth and to honor the family and to honor Rebekah. And, and there's probably a bit of, you know, there's more where this came from. Isaac's a great guy kind of woven into this as well. Within this back and forth, Rebecca also consents to go with the servant and to go with him right away. So um, Abraham had, had said, if she won't come back to Canaan, then you're released from your oath. But she agrees to go back to Canaan and skip the, the, the 10 day preparations first. And as she departs, the family bless, blesses Rebecca and says, our sister may become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him, which is a, a marvelous blessing in keeping with God's promise. Because through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the generations to follow, the family will number in the thousands of ten thousands. And in Christ... Uh, they, they will possess the gate of those who hate him. 
so so it's, it's, it's a prophecy that 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 um, the descendants of Rebecca conquer their enemies and that's ultimately fulfilled in Christ who conquers even sin death and devil for his people verse 61 and following then Rebecca and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So this caravan returns to, to Canaan. Isaac is currently dwelling in the Negev, and when the caravan approaches, he's outside. He sees the caravan and starts toward it. Rebekah, seated on her camel, sees a man walking toward them and is, is moved enough by the sight of him that she dismounts and says to the servant, who is that? And it turns out to be Isaac. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of this, this, this scene from a, a romance movie. All of a sudden, this, this couple that's never seen each other, they, you can almost see them running through the fields to, to embrace each other. We don't know if it happens that way or not, but it's kind of the imagery. Um, they, they can't wait to be together. And, uh, and Isaac takes Rebekah to be his wife. So there's the story of the bride for Isaac, how Rebekah comes from, from the city of Haran and becomes Isaac's wife in the promised land. And real quick before we end this podcast, a few notes about how this story points us to Christ. And first off is just the historical note that this continues the history of how the Messiah is born through the descendants of Abraham. Isaac is the, the next link in the chain that goes from Abraham down to Jesus born of Mary. Second, this is about a man and his bride. This is about a marriage. And, and remember that marriage is always a, a type of Christ and his love for, the, for his bride, the church. Now, that's a little bit of a thin connection here, except for this one thing. Isaac takes his bride after he's nearly sacrificed and rises again from the altar, Jesus takes us as his bride, the church, because he has been sacrificed for our sins and he has risen again to make us his own. So there's this pattern of, of um, 
near death, resurrection, and marriage for Isaac, and death, resurrection, and, and, uh, and taking us as the bride of Christ for Jesus. The third one is an interesting connection to me, and that is there are parallels between this story and the story of the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. So in Genesis 24, here, the servant travels a long distance to a well. He meets a woman who's already part of Abraham's family, and she gladly gives him water to drink. And then hearing about God's steadfast love and faithfulness, she runs off to tell her household. In John chapter 4, Jesus has traveled a long distance. He sits down weary at a well. And this Samaritan woman appears at the well. She's not a virgin. She's been married several times. She's living with another man to whom she's not married. And she is very skeptical and very suspicious of Jesus. But as he speaks to her about living water and really about grace and life and salvation, she turns from the skeptic, she turns from the cynic to one who is, if not yet a believer, at least curious and sympathetic and wanting to know more. And once she reaches that point, she runs to her town, to her family, as it were, to tell them about the men at the well, too. Rebecca helps the servant right away because she's already part of the family. Once this woman hears what Jesus has to say, it's like she has become part of the family as well, part of, of the children of Abraham by faith. And then she goes and tells the household's of her town, the news too. So perhaps this story is a foreshadowing of Jesus and the woman at the well. Um, certainly that story uh, bears parallels to this one. All to remind us that Christ comes and makes us his children out of steadfast love, out of faithfulness to his promises, that we might be his people part of his bride, the church forevermore. All right, with that, we conclude this episode. God grant you every good gift. If you're teaching this to others, God bless you as you meditate upon this for yourself. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.